1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
2: Well, hello, everybody. We are back. Welcome back to Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. I am Ryan. Shira is not here, but guess who's here? Hello, hello. Yes, you know that voice charge I sell. Welcome back. Thank you. I I mean, honestly, I should be saying welcome back to myself
3: because you've been here more than I have. (laughs)
2: Just within the past week. Just within the past week. Yes, just within the past week. It was actually, um, I was on vacation, which really can't be considered a vacation. It was more of like a leadership trip. Um, And I, it was, it was incredible. It was my first international trip. Mm -hmm. I got to tour all over Israel and Palestine and get to really understand the leaders there and get to talk to queer Palestinians and um, and really see the way of life and understand, like, the conflict that's going there. But then also, like, juxtaposition with, like, staying at the most beautiful, like, hotels and mm. eating the most beautiful stunning food. But you know one thing that I did miss? What? Every breakfast, the way that I have missed Bacon. Uh, they don't have pork over there. It's very heavy. Like you don't even get like sausage. It's heavy fish. So you're oh, getting like, like salmon. You're getting the Mediterranean, you're getting diet. The Mediterranean diet for Olive, sure.
3: Salmon, cheese, and I missed
2: it so much. I was like, I love that I have pancakes. I uh-huh. love that I have the salmon with my croissant. But I would love a piece of bacon. Is yeah. there anything in the back? And no. there was nothing in the bag, mm-hmm.
3: even uh, though there <laughs> is salmon bacon. I saw that at Trader Joe's. What? Yeah, it's a salmon. That sounds like some tab
2: of the brown came up. It's with. almost
3: like salmon. Well, she's vegan, so hers would be like <laughs> carrot bacon. Yeah. But it's it's like salmon. It's like almost like a. I feel like it's like a jerky like yeah. type thing. But it, it's thin enough. It looks good.
2: Yeah, but I'm happy to be back. I missed you all. I miss yes. producer Shelby. How you doing over there? there? You're hanging in there? Okay, good. Producer Shelby has been killing it while
3: I've been gone. Yes, she has. Yes, she has. She's really been doing it. I know she sounds
2: like she's regretting it, but I know her face (laughs) does not. She doesn't regret it. (laughs) Okay, so let's get into today's show. We have a lot coming up, because guess who's coming and stopping by? We'll be talking to RuPaul Drag Race alum, the season one winner, Bibi Zahara Benet, because guess what? They have a new documentary
3: called Being Bibi." Yeah, from season the very first winner. Oh, okay. the very first. I think I winner. started watching Drag Race at season two. Then
2: yeah, because you forget you forget about season one because it had that funky filter on it.
3: Right with season two, the one with
2: Tyra Sanchez. Ty- yes, Tyra came okay, in. Okay, so and I didn't watch season shook one things of Drag Race. Up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then of course there's also a ton of news since we've talked. Uh, Including updates in the January 6th hearings, gun safety legislation, and more transports bills, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're getting all into it today on today's show. Stick around for that. Thank you so much for always being here and listening in. But are y'all ready? Let's get into some uh, top of the hour news. What? Wow. It was I was the silence. Sorry, sorry. The crickets. I pulled a Shira. I'm so sorry.
3: <laughs> yes, let's. Let's
2: <laughs> Oh my God. This morning President Joe Biden called on Congress to suspend federal gasoline and diesel taxes for three months. This is a move meant to ease financial pressures that was greeted with doubts by many lawmakers. He also called on states to suspend their own gas taxes or provide similar relief. And he delivered a public critique of the energy industry for prioritizing profits over production. Here is what he had to say.
4: So let's be honest with one another. My message is simple to the companies running gas stations and setting those prices at the pump. This is a time of war. Global peril, Ukraine, these are not normal times. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you are paying for the product. Do it now. Do it today. Your customers, the American people, they need relief now. So let me summarize. Today I'm calling for a federal gas tax holiday state gas tax holiday for the equivalent relief to customers.
2: So I love that President Biden is still the only person in this world that believes a good talking to
3: will change folks' minds. Yeah, I mean... He's such a parent. And he's also so from the old school. (laughs) And it also it also shows how he can afford, I guess, in his tax bracket to put up blinders to certain things. Because anyone who moves about the world thinking that a good talking, a good firm, stern talking to is going to get people to change their mind, he is reminds me antiquated. of all those
2: westerns where they're like, "Good always beats evil." Yeah, and it's just like, babes. Well,
3: we see evil never dies. We see evil never dies. Do you know who Voldemort is? Anyway, okay. um, okay, let's. Yeah, up- he's on the Senate floor. <laughs>
2: Okay, so um, last headline before we get into the T-Report. Uh, the Following a national, uh, nationwide backlash, Ohio Senate Republicans are saying that they won't include a, a, a genital inspection portion of an anti-trans uh, athlete bill that would prohibit transgender girls and women from participating in school sports. The bill previously included language that any female athlete that has been accused of being uh, trans would, e- and would have to undergo a full external and internal genital ex- inspection.
3: How gross. What in the Salem witch trials is going on here? It's
2: wild. According to Senate uh, President uh, Matt Huffman, the inclusion of a genital inspection in the bill will not move forward and, quote, is not necessary. That is your top of the hour headlines. We have more coming up next hour. But first, let's get into some tea reports.
3: Well, speaking of trans women, trans girls, one of Elon Musk's children wants nothing to do with him. And she has filed legal docs to drop her famous last name. In fact... She's changing her full name and legally declaring her gender identity. Honestly,
2: I didn't know that Elon had any other kids besides the one with the coding for the
3: names. No, you know what, me too, but he has a village. Wow. Because this girl has a twin brother. What? Yeah, there's a there's a village. I guess one of Elon's wow. wives were married to, to him from 2000 to 2008, and he's had a few children with her. Um, but we only know about the computer coding, mm-hmm. you know, the HTML child. Yes, the robots. Yes. So um, the documents were filed in L.A. County, and her name is now... Vivian Jenna Wilson well it will be as of Friday That's a good name in the docs she says she wants to be recognized as female but the name change isn't just about her transitioning there's clearly a rift between her and her father because this is a direct quote from the doc gender identity <clears throat> gender identity and the fact that I no longer live with or wish to be related to my biological father in any way shape or form So there's something going on there. I imagine that Elon is 10 times worse than what we already think he is. No, for sure. Now, neither of the Elon or Vivian have uh, commented publicly about their relationship since her transition. Though back in December 2020, Elon did tweet that he does support the transgender community, but added, quote, all these pronouns are an aesthetic nightmare. So
2: that's crazy that you were subtweeting your daughter. Yeah. Because they, I can only imagine that there was probably conversations happening in their, like,
3: in Elon's life. And I wonder what her, pronoun, uh, what, what her pronouns are if she's not linear, yeah. you know, binary yeah. trans. That's wild to me. Well, yeah. And she, like I said, she uh, has a twin brother named Griffin I Musk. wonder how
2: quickly he's already um, written her out of the, the will.
3: Probably already. That the, sucks. The ink is probably dry. But Vivian, luckily,
2: remember, adulting is hard.
3: Remember. But luckily she has siblings that I'm yes. sure will rally around her and make yeah. sure that she gets a piece of That's 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 the T-Report for this hour. Stick around. I got more coming up for you next hour.
2: Period. Okay, so let's keep this party going. We have a lot to get into, so buckle up, because the Senate appears to be on track to pass the most significant federal legislation to address gun violence since 1994. But will these House Republican leaders block it? We're talking about it up next. Don't go anywhere.
0: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
2: Now, House Republican leaders are lining up in opposition to a recently unveiled bipartisan gun safety bill, and they're planning to urge their members to vote no even as the Senate moves towards passage of the bill this week. However, uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says he's, quote, proud to support the bipartisan gun reform agreement. Here he is. Well, this time is different.
4: This time, the Democrats came our way and agreed to advance some common-sense solutions without rolling back rights for law-abiding citizens. The result is a product of... I'm proud to support. It will send more direct funding to community behavioral health centers and for mental health in schools.
2: So why all the conflicting messages? And what is this uh, bipartisan gun safety bill? And is it the bill that we need? Joining us to break all this down is political commentator and political analyst. uh, Jackie Coppell, thanks so much for being on the show.
5: Thanks so much for having
2: me. Jackie, seriously, I mean, I, I think I want to celebrate this moment because it's like finally we're seeing some movement. But I wonder yep. what exactly is this bill and is it the bill that people are hoping for?
5: I would say it's not it's not necessarily the bill people are hoping for, but it is progress, which after, you know, something like 30 years of zero legislation on, on sort of gun control. This is this is progress. Uh, I think in large part because you had these two horrific mass shootings within a week of one another. And we've obviously, as a country, have seen this over and over, year after year. And there does come a point where people sort of, they sort of finally say, okay, something has to change. I think the seas, as it were, were shifting. And I think Republicans could sense that because if you look at the data, the Americans support gun control to varying degrees, of course, but things like background checks, things like what's included, red flag laws, funding for school safety and mental health. These are all things that the vast majority of Americans all agree on. So at some point, so it seems the the senators, especially in the Republican Party, said, "Okay, we really have to do something. Uh, It also happens to be that, you know, this Uvalde's in Texas and Senator Cornyn, was one of the leaders of the Republican leaders who put this bill together because this happened, you know, in his jurisdiction. And it's part of his responsibility to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And so he's he, he is the senior uh, sort of Republican leading this.
3: Well, that's nice to know, given what came out of the, the Texas GOP conference over the weekend and how they feel about gun laws. Now, we know that there will be enhanced background checks and red flag laws uh, and funding for school safety and an emphasis on mental health. But what are some of the caveats in this? And I ask this because it sounds good, you know, surface-wise, but I know under that surface, there's some some mess afoot. So what are some of the caveats that come with this this bill that's being proposed?
5: So the reason this is not sort of an all-encompassing bill, as it were, is, for instance, the extended background checks are for, are for gun buyers between the ages of 18 and 21. Now that's specifically getting... To the fact that the, the sort of evil shooters in both of these recent recent mass shootings were young and fall into that um, that age group, right? So this is addressing those folks. It also uh, what that does. I mean, sort of a good thing is that it also incentivizes states to provide access uh, to sealed juvenile records, right? So if someone had shown that they that there were some problems in their in their sort of personal history, that might show on a background check, meaning. You know, someone who's 18 cannot then buy a gun so easily or then buy a gun, right? It would come up in the system. So that's a good thing, right? A sharing of information. It's a similar thing that happened after 9-11, right? We found out that none of our agencies really spoke or shared knowledge. And so now, similarly, this is how can we how can we share knowledge so that we can prevent people who should not have guns from getting access to them? Um, another thing that's sort of is good is it, it closes the loophole with people who have been convicted of domestic violence because we also, as we also know is that domestic violence is a, a sign as it were if you have a history of then being a perpetrator of, of horrible violence such as uh, the likes we've seen so yeah. there are good things but again thing it's all relative right this is not an all-encompassing bill because there were concerns particularly on the part of the GOP that we not infringe as they see it infringe on the second amendment
2: right. All right Jackie so we have about 15 seconds left. Can Ooh, you let I'm so us no, no 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 you're good. You're like actually breaking this down in such a beautiful way. Can you let us know what to expect moving forward? How quickly could this get like fully passed and we could actually see this becoming a tangible act plan of action?
5: This is going to get done really fast. Uh, the reason the 10 senators, GOP senators, are so important is because it means that uh, it can bypass any sort of filibuster. It will pass the Senate. Uh, Democrats control the uh, control the House, obviously. Well, technically both houses right now, but they have more of the votes in the House. This will pass and uh, Biden will sign it immediately. The, the rush was on it because the Senate is going to go on essentially a break. And so they're trying to get it done ASAP. So I think it'll yeah. be voted on within a week.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much, Jackie Coppell, for joining the show. We appreciate you so much. Uh, Jackie Coppell is a political commentator um, who is always in the know. Thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Yes. All right. So now coming up, we have The Washington Post joining us to go over day four of the January 6th hearing. So if you have missed out... This is the time you tune in. Coming up next.
0: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
2: Okay, so the January 6th hearings continue. And it was day four. And this one, I mean, honestly, I feel like there's so much information that's coming out uh, like in this time that it's really hard to keep up, which I'm very happy about our next guest who's joining us to break everything down. Because uh, a huge centerpiece of yester- uh, yesterday's hearings were about the former Georgia election worker, Shea Moss, who actually we're going to play a quick clip of her talking about the threats that she received while counting votes during the 2020 election. Here she is before I bring in Mariana Alfaro.
1: Those horrible things that they include threats?
3: Yes, uh, a lot of threats, Um, wishing death upon me, Um, telling me that no, I'm. I'll be in jail with my mother, and saying things like, "Be glad it's 2020 and not 1920."
1: That's. Yeah. Were, were a lot of these threats and and vile comments yeah. racist in nature? A lot of
3: them were racist. A lot of them were just hateful. Um, but yes, sir.
2: All right, well, joining us to break this down further is Mariana Alfaro, a reporter on the Breaking Political News team at The Washington Post. Thank you so much for joining the show.
3: Hi, thanks for having me.
2: Okay, so talk to us about day four, and we can start here with Shay Moss. <laughs> Why was she at the center of the hearings yesterday? She and her mother. And her mother. Yeah.
6: Yes, I'd say that um, yesterday's hearing was perhaps um, the one of the most emotional ones. I think that um, the last few have kind of focused on the legality of the stuff that Trump and his team were doing. But yesterday we got to see the human impact of um, Trump's plans and Trump's plot and how it actively like affected and hurt individuals in the states that he was seeking to overturn the election. And so Seamus from what we heard from the clip, she's a a former Georgia election worker. She worked the polls with her mom and she was in a video, um, you know, security camera video that somehow was obtained by some right-wing conservative sites and started making waves around those circles and that um, later Giuliani and Trump put their hands on this clip. And the clip is very misleading. Um, it appears to show, um, I mean, they claim, you know, that the Trump people claim that it showed um, Shay and her mom, quote-unquote, stuffing ballots um, in favor of Biden, which, again, the video isn't showing that. There's no evidence that they did this. They are you know poll workers who've done that um because they love um, the right to vote and that that was something very evident yesterday as Shay was giving us her witness account that she was taught by her grandmother that the right to vote is precious and that mm-hmm. many people um especially in their family lineage have not had the right to vote. So that's why that she was so dedicated to being an election worker. And so Trump and Giuliani start spreading out her name, you know not just this video, but her name and her mother's name. And saying that they were illegally stuffing ballots, which they were not, and basically ruining their reputation, their safety, their privacy. And so, what we heard Shay and her mom say yesterday was that our lives got completely wrecked by Trump and Giuliani doing this because now we can't go out and use our names. Like, people immediately connect us to these false accusations. And so, we've suffered a lot. Like, we had to move. I've gained weight. Like, I'm scared of going outside. So, we got to see that human toll behind all of these, like, False claims of election fraud that Trump's been spreading.
3: Yeah, it was really, really tough to listen to. And they lean into that, I should mention, because in a lot of African-American and Black American households, people Mm -hmm. fought, people died for the right for us to vote. So it is something that's important. So the Trump team also orchestrated fake electors to try to overturn the election. Speak more to that.
6: Yes. So we saw um, more evidence of that yesterday, that um, that was a big part of the plot. And I think for a second, um, there was this belief that Trump wasn't fully aware of this plan, but it's come clear now that um, he was um, supportive of it. And what it was revealed, I guess the main revelation yesterday was that um, Senator Senator Ron Johnson, a Wisconsin Republican, offered to deliver fake electors to Mike Pence um, uh, so that Pence would um, delay the certification of results. And so we found out because the committee show, uh, showed text between um, a sufferer for Johnson and a sufferer for Pence just minutes before the beginning of the joint session um, that would, that, that Pence would lead to like certified Biden's win. And so that is the first time we hear that. And I think it was quite shocking because I think we hadn't considered how deep this fake elector uh, situation went in. And when we saw details from a former Trump campaign staffer, Robert Sinners, who said that he felt like a, uh, a quote unquote useful idiot when he was um, helping the Trump campaign organize um, the, the the slate of fake electors. And he said, you know, even the people behind that plan, the lawyers that were working with Trump did not even want to help out with this specific portion of it. Yeah. And so I felt like idiot for going through with it. And he was saying, I wouldn't do this again. I'm very regretful. Uh, but it shows, again, how even the people closest to Trump were not believing the things they were telling the former president, but they still were helping him push um, Mm -hmm. all these crazy plots around.
2: So moving forward, as we wrap up here, what's next? What more can we expect next? Because it seems like we're only getting deeper and deeper to what really went down.
6: Yes, and actually that's what the the focus has been today because we have another hearing tomorrow, number five, and that one's going to, I think that's going to be eye-opening. I mean, all of these have been shocking, but tomorrow's, I'm very, you know, interested in seeing what's going to happen because it's DOJ-focused. Yeah. Uh, we're going to see how Trump and his allies try to get the DOJ to back um, um, their, their efforts to, to undo the election. And so there's former DOJ staffers speaking tomorrow, David Rossin among them. Um, and so that's going to be fascinating. But then uh, Benny Thompson, the chair of the committee, said yesterday and today, um that he thinks that we're gonna have more hearings in july so we're not expecting hearings until mid-july because the house is going to recess but they've gotten so much more new evidence and so much more stuff to look at um in the last few weeks that they were like yeah we'd rather wait and um you know continue serving this the way we've been doing this like cleanly as a story and there's a lot of stuff that we need to investigate and, and read through right now that we'll wait until um, later in July to continue these hearings, but there's going to be more of them likely.
2: Well, alrighty. Thank you so much for joining us. That was Mariana Alfaro, <laughs> uh, the uh, reporter on the Breaking Political News team at the Washington Post. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Bye bye. Okay, so we're switching gears here because there's an SNL star that says she can't do comedy like she used to. We're going to talk a little bit about why coming up next.
0: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
2: Okay, so let's talk Molly Shannon, which we were actually just talking about her because she has a new show on, um, uh, what is it? It's
3: on Showtime. It's so good. It's called I Love That For You. I just finished the season finale yesterday, actually. Oh, you did? Yes, it stars Jennifer Lewis as well.
2: I feel like... um, It was eight episodes. I know, but eight episodes now are just not enough. Because I feel like depending on what streaming service you're on, they're dropping like two episodes a week.
3: Yeah. Which sucks. Well, some. That's only like for Legendary and HBO. Showtime will give you week <laughs> by week. I finished The First Lady as well, which I, I still think was masterfully done if no one's watched that with Viola Davis and Michelle Pfeiffer.
2: Well, let's talk about uh, Molly Shannon because uh, this, she was on a roundtable discussion, of course. Um, I believe it was probably for The Hollywood Reporter. It was. It was the only, those are the only roundtable discussions I really dive deep it in. Your,
3: it had your girl Lena Gone. You, you already
2: know I was about to get which to her, I just bought which her. is Slayena Godmez. I
3: just bought the perfect pot, her her design, the okay, royal see, blue. Okay, I haven't bought it yet, but I want it. I want it I so it. bad. Do you I like it? it? Well, it's on the way. It oh. actually is at my house right now. I haven't unboxed it. Wow, look at us. We've taken three different conversations and <laughs> had them in just like two seconds. Shay, that's some good cookware. <laughs> that's some good cookware. Okay, so she was
2: on this round table with uh, Selena, Amy Schumer, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Quinta Brunson, and she talked about how her style of comedy has changed since motherhood specifically she said it was before I had children that I did that crazy physical comedy where I would throw myself in the chairs and do more dangerous stuff and now that I'm a mother I just don't want to do that she says I feel different in my life now and I don't want to hurt my body like that anymore she was also not only in um uh that new show that you were just talking about but she was yeah, just in the, the White Lotus
3: yes yeah was she really yes
2: so she was the she was the mother-in-law okay yes 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 yes, yes. If that's who I'm thinking of. Uh, if she's the right person I'm thinking of. I think that's the right person I'm thinking of. <laughs> You know. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. She was in White Lotus. Yes, yes, yes. I knew. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Exactly. But it, it's really interesting how she's thought about how uh, you know her, her 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 comedy has changed over the years. I but, I know she's just talking about physical comedy, but I wish you know comedians would imply that all all across the board about yes. changing and evolving as they I go. I should
3: I should mention that I was introduced to Molly Shannon through the film Superstar. I had no idea. Yes, smell your armpits. That Mary Catherine Gallagher. <laughs> did you know that was an SNL character? that launched into the film no I did yes, not know that she played that character on Saturday Night Live and then as a result got a film now she's not the only one Adam Sandler has done wow. this there's been a few other people but what I thought was so interesting about this roundtable is she also mentioned that at one point in her career a photographer she was taking some headshots mm-hmm. and uh the photographer asked her why are you so ugly wow this this really happened so
2: rude and it's just crazy because that stuff was allowed. Like people didn't even blink an eye when people would say these awful things. But now that's just. And I mean, it's probably still is happening because I don't want to negate that. But it it just feels like there's more of a platform for people to feel comfortable to talk about it.
3: And let me read the direct quote. So she says she was sitting in a chair, feeling like a million bucks, and the photographer got behind the lens and was and was like, "And I felt so beautiful." And there was a fan on her, and she was like, "Hollywood, look out." And then he said, why are you so ugly? And then she goes on to other wow. people. Trace Ellis Ross said, what gives people permission to say these kinds of things?
2: Honestly, that's how I feel every time my iPhone takes a picture of me. <laughs> oh, shut up. Like, I feel like my iPhone well, calls me ugly. They
3: say the front-facing camera will betray
2: you oh, unless you're on Snapchat. Gosh. It's so sad and so disgusting, but it's fine. We all make it through. And Molly Shannon is an icon. She's a legend. And she right? Is the
3: Where's that photographer today?
2: Period. That is uh, the end of that conversation. Next, uh, we actually have more top of the hour news. And what Billy Porter had to say to Ted
3: Cruz? Raphael Ted Cruz.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Let's go there
0: with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan.
7: Channel Q. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
4: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
2: We are back. It's another hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Shira, however, is out, but we have Ashar Jassel on the mic with us.
3: Hey, hey, hey.
2: And honestly, um, I forgot to mention the one really good thing about my vacation. What is that? The men. <laughs> the men. Do tell. Do the tell, men, the tell. men. The men. One, I felt like on the apps out there, I was just out here like, I don't know, I feel like I was a West Hollywood gay with abs and and uh, and muscles and everybody, I was just the center of the plate. You know how out here
3: you would be the center of the plate out here? Yes. You,
2: I just felt like me, as myself, everybody wanted a piece of Ryan. It, really? was, it was popping off.
3: And did you give them a piece?
2: I sure did, I gave somebody a piece okay. for sure. I did, but he, crazy enough, he wasn't even from Israel, he was from uh, Germany. Really, and he was. Uh, he was there. We were staying at the, um, at the hotels nearby. Okay, and uh, he was in char- He's a, he's the boss of the flight attendants, and so he was okay. there. And, honey, we did what we needed to do. Nice in Tel Aviv with because I had a beach view.
3: Oh, nice. Very Stella got your groove back. Very. So <laughs> she was in the Caribbean.
2: <laughs> yeah, but true. I just think of the beach. But yes, the aesthetic. Yes. <laughs> and so yeah, I just felt like that, and then. Also like Jerusalem, like when I was there, I was like, Oh, I feel so weird. Why? Thinking nasty in Jerusalem. I mean the listen, Bible.
3: they were doing they were doing nasty <laughs> stuff in Jerusalem. They were doing nasty <laughs> stuff in Jerusalem. Oh, my God! Tale gosh. as old as time. All
2: I'm saying is shout out to the men because the men were menning. And thank you for your services. Coming up this hour, though, we have Bibi Zahar Benay from Drag Race. RuPaul's Drag Race Season 1 winner. Uh, All-Star Season 3 icon. She's joining us to talk about her brand new documentary, which I'm very excited about. Stick around for that. And uh, now it's time to talk about what's going on in top of the hour news. Are you ready to be caught up with everything oh, yes. you need to know? Oh, yes. Thank you. I'm so happy there was no silence this go around <laughs> if you've been listening from the top. <laughs> okay, so a number of people worked for, uh, working for CBS Late Show with Stephen Colbert were arrested Thursday night at a U.S. Capitol office building after taping a skit involving Triumph, the insult comic dog.
3: Triumph is still around.
2: I don't even know who this dog is. It's a
3: puppet. It's a leather puppet of a Rottweiler with a cigar in his mouth. He was really? legendary at the early 2000s. Even producer Shelby knows who Triumph is. Oh, producer
2: Shelby don't know? Do you yeah, know? Yes. Yeah,
3: I she, am, she, am she, familiar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know Shelby. Shelby, you my type. You my type I'm of I'm a TV person. I'm yeah, you. yeah, I guess. Okay. Okay, that's a legendary puppet wow. right
2: there. Well, what? Wait, is it the black dog?
3: It's a black with Rottweiler the with the cigar. I think I actually know. No, no you No, I keep telling the
2: story. (laughs) 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 Okay, so the crew was on site at the Capitol to record uh, interviews for a comedy segment on behalf of the show. Well, CBS spokesperson said, quote, their interviews at the Capitol were authorized and prearranged through congressional aides of the members interviewed. After leaving the members' offices on their last interview of the day, the production team stayed to film stand-ups other and other final comedy elements in the halls when they were detained by Capitol Police. Wow. They were charged with unlawful entry. Go figure. Here is Stephen Colbert talking about the moment.
3: Now, end of day two, Thursday evening, after they'd finished their interviews, they were doing some last-minute puppetry and uh, jokey make-em-ups in a hallway when Triumph and my folks were approached and detained by the Capitol Police, which actually isn't that surprising. The Capitol Police are much more cautious than they were, say, 18
9: months ago, (laughs) and for a very good reason. If you don't know what that reason is,
3: I know what news network you watch. (laughs) And you know Tucker Uh, Carlson had a lot to say about this, which of course is, you know, just the typical gaslighting and irony and all that fun stuff. All right, well, I'm throwing it over to you. What's happening in
2: the T-Report? So
3: in the T-Report, Billy Porter is taking down Rafael Ted Cruz for transphobia and bad hair in a series of new PSAs. The performer teamed up with... Uh, A poet named Lene Vene for a pair of transphobe takedowns, a campaign in support of strands for trans, a movement to encourage hair salons and barbershops to be more trans friendly. Now, take a listen to part of this hilarious PSA. We about tired of you. Mmm. Tired of you! Tired of you! Tired as that half-ass mullet
2: on top of his head.
3: Pick a side, because that's not even salt and
2: pepper. No mother I know would let their child leave the house with their hair looking like that. (laughs) Oh, glory. Cut that (laughs) out, Ted. (laughs) Cut it out. You know what else you need to cut out? Putting so much of your energy into vilifying your trans identity. And there it is. You have been consistently loud, loud and wrong, about your anti trans sentiments concerning things like gay marriage and now how parents of trans children work to affirm them. Again,
3: based on what you stand for and what you believe. Who peed in your shampoo bottle, honey? You know what I just realized? Yes, queen. Lene Vanay, I believe, is the girl that's in the parking lot. She's the Spellman alum. Remember she does that? She said, I'm going to keep it black, but I'm going to keep it brief. She has a series on Instagram. No, I've never Oh, my God, she is of one it. of the smartest influencers ever. I think, I think if I'm not mistaken, I yeah. think this is her. I'll show you a clip on okay, break. But okay. that's the tear report for this hour. You want to stick around because Jennifer Lopez is back in the headlines. And no, this time it has nothing to do with Shakira. That's coming up in the next I hour. I need to watch her documentary. Thank you so much for reminding me. So good. So we have
2: Bibi Zahar Bene from season one of RuPaul's Drag Race and All Stars 3 here to chat with us all about what's going on in their life and their brand new documentary that was just released yesterday. Don't go anywhere. I am freaking out. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Now, Being B.B. is a, a beautiful new documentary that is charting 15 years in the life of drag performer B.B. Zahar Benay. Now, you know that name because they were the first uh, winner of season one of RuPaul's Drag Race in All Stars 3 And I'm so excited because they're an immigrant to America from, honestly, the homophobic Cameroon. And they have done so much to champion and celebrate black queer excellence today. And I'm very excited, Char, that we have BB on the show joining us. Welcome to the show. Hey there. Hey there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, BB, what a time it is to have you right here on the show. You know, it's been so beautiful to watch your career grow and to see where it is now. And being BB, the documentary really showcases your life in such a beautiful way. Why is it was it important for you to 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 share your story now more than ever?
10: Well, you know, I just think that, you know, it was very important. I, I mean we have for many, many, many years. You know, it's taken 15 years, but I would just say for many years, we always thought that we had the end of the story like okay now this is time to put it out you know when i won drag race we're like okay now this is the best this is the highlight let's do it and then i went to all stars three you know so we've had moments where we could put the documentary out but there was nothing that ever felt right in our core you know there was always that something that was like uh, maybe not but this time around you know especially with the pandemic and everything that was happening when everybody had to pause It just, it just gave me enough time to reflect and there was just so many things that have transpired until then. You know, when you talk about, you talk about diversity, you talk about being black queer, when you talk about, you know, the, the, everything that's happening in other countries when it comes to homophobia and, you know, discrimination. There's just so much that is going on where I feel like when you watch the documentary, even when it comes to our artistry, you think about drag. Drag has evolved also so much from when I first started. So there's so many aspects in my documentary where I think it's more relevant now and can either create some, you you know, get some clarity in what it is, or ask questions, start conversations, maybe inspire, or maybe even shed some light on certain aspects that are not really being uh, talked about. So we just thought it was the right moment.
3: Yeah, making documentaries are typically a grueling process, regardless of subject matter. I have to know, what is one pro and what is one con that came from this entire process?
10: Well, one of the drawbacks we had was money. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. Ain't that the truth, right? Yeah,
10: you know, it's, it's always, people, they always tell you the finances because, I mean, we're talking about 15 years. Uh, 15 years of, you know, you have to travel, you have to document my life, you have to document the shows. You, you know, there are a, a lot of setbacks and it always comes down to finances. Lucky enough, we're able to, you know, my supporters were able to raise some money and we mm-hmm. were able to raise other, you know, finances and we're still getting there um, to be able to, like, uh, to put that, this project, Out so that's one of the things that was really an issue. Luckily enough, we could do that. But then, what is lovely about it has just been just being able to share my story with people. And I feel like my story, yeah, it's BB and it's you know, it's not really only about the art form of drag. I feel like it's about. Just being a human being and living authentic life, yeah. and, 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 and dreaming and being hopeful and knowing that, you know, at the end of the tunnel, there's always that light, even in spite of the ups and downs that we go through. It's just the human experience. And even drag is just what, you know, that's my career. That's what I do. But there are just so many different aspects of my life, which I'm hoping that people watch it could relate to it you know mm-hmm. even when it comes to being different and, and 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 choosing a different path of a career you know
2: yeah mm-hmm. and what's beautiful is to see the community that you've been able to surround yourself with and especially the community has also helped you create this like you're mm-hmm. the director of this uh, this beautiful film was also like a connection that you've had for just as long as you were documenting.
10: Mhm mhm- yeah I mean I call them i call I always call them the the the, the tribe, the villagers <laughs> 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 you know you know it, it takes a tribe, it takes a village, it takes a lot of people, people get to see us do what we do, and you know people get amazed, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, but i to, if i 'm going to be very honest with you, the real stars are the people behind us they're the people who support us, they're the people who are behind the scenes doing all the job, making sure that we do what we need to do, making sure our job is done right
3: you've made such an indelible mark on. In the world of drag I'm reading something right now that says that you entered your career when you were the assistant on a fashion show tell us about how you started in the drag world
10: well i don't the, the, when i i used to model when i was you know when i was young i'm still very young just mind you so don't don't think about it <laughs> but when i was younger um I, I i went i was doing a fashion show in paris and i went i was interning and then in that fashion show some of the models your know, female models did not show up for whatever reason and there was like a shortage of female models to model the clothes you know by then i was tall i was skinny you know like all the stereotypes that comes with modeling back then And I I was like, put me in the dress, you know, and I'm going to do it. So that was my introduction of, like, you know, gender being gender fluid when it comes to presentation. But that's not really where it started. It started here. In, when I came moved to Minneapolis and Cyndi Lauper was going on stage I wanted to perform Girls Just Want to <laughs> Have Fun and one of my one of the people you know organizers that were putting the show together they were looking for you know different drag entertainers to go on stage with Cyndi Lauper and so I auditioned and I got casted for you know for the wow. part and that's how I got into my full regalia
2: I mean <laughs> and that's the credible thing and I want to make sure we're teasing that everyone listening here can actually find out and dive Deeper into your documentary and see your journey. Being BB is now available on video on demand on Apple TV and Amazon, and of course also for streaming in the U.S. on Fuse Plus and in Canada on Out TV. BB Zaharbone, thank you so much for joining the show. I could talk for you, talk to you for years. I'm such a fan. I love you. Thank you so much for being here.
10: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. (laughs) Okay.
2: (laughs) All right. Well, coming up, uh, we're actually switching gears here because yesterday, Alabama, Georgia, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. held primaries. Now, who were the winners and loser of the election? Well, that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere.
0: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
2: Okay, so runoff elections in Georgia, Alabama, um, and Alabama tested Donald Trump's influence over Republicans yet again on Tuesday while voters in Virginia and the District of Columbia reaffirmed the grip of establishment and moderate Democrats in several primary contests. So um, here is a clip of Trump-endorsed Katie Britt, who actually defeated the Representative Mo Brooks in Alabama's GOP Senate runoff, putting the 40-year-old on track to become the youngest woman in the Senate. And um, honestly, just listen, because here is why she was probably Trump endorsed.
0: Y'all, first and
6: foremost, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, number one without him nothing is possible this morning i was reading the scripture that you gave me jamie and this morning's was romans eight twenty-eight, and we know that in all things god works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose
2: i you know what whatever I'm first break- of all <laughs> what a performance Let's, let's give her a round of applause. What a performance. Let's bring in, before we move forward, let's bring in Christian Paz. Um, he is an incredible writer at Vox.com and actually wrote about all of the things that we need to know about these recent elections. Welcome back to the show.
11: Hi, y'all. Thanks for having me.
2: I mean, where do we start? You know, we got to keep it kind of brief here because we're going to be coming out Mm. soon. But where do we start here? What were some of the big takeaways from these elections that maybe worry you, have brought up some concerns? What are you thinking right now?
11: Definitely. So like you mentioned, Alabama was a perfect example of a place where uh, Donald Trump... uh, you know, he ended up winning uh, a big win with Katie Britt, uh, pulling out ahead of Mo Brooks, who was actually a ultra-conservative uh, member of Congress, who was actually a pretty big supporter of Donald Trump's election lies and trying to overturn the election and all of that. Um, and Katie Britt was more of an establishment type, but is definitely a huge part of the, of trying to co-opt the, that MAGA base. Um And what we see in Alabama, what we saw in Georgia, we see this a little bit in Virginia, um, is these are places where it doesn't even matter whether Donald Trump endorses you or not because everyone who's running on the Republican side is just in the church of Donald Trump. And regardless of whether they got an endorsement or not, they were trying to out-MAGA the other. Um, And this is especially true in Alabama where the race for secretary of state Um, was between two election deniers, two people who want to make changes to the way the state does their election, pass more restrictive rules for for voting, um, and don't really believe that that Joe Biden won the election legitimately. Um, The one who ended up winning, you know, he he wasn't part of, there's like this big coalition of candidates running in a bunch of races across the country who are part of this uh, America first Secretary of State alliance but they're, they're all trying to win office and change the rules of elections or or at least question the legitimacy of them and know the, the, the member of that organization uh who ran in alabama lost but he lost to somebody who has run elections before and wants to make big changes and people are really winning in these primaries when they go after the big lie and defend it, so right, um, I, I that's wanna, one worrisome
3: thing. Yeah, I want to know what what you have to say. Like, I know that we just talked about how like the two top contenders, you know, in Alabama were both you know MAGA people, election result deniers. What, in your opinion, moving forward, what? is this going to look like? Because I imagine that even outside of these primaries, when things get to the presidential race and those type of primaries, there will be, you know, people from the right trying to, I guess, outmoggle one another, as you put it. Where do you see this going?
11: It's pretty, pretty scary to think about how much of a spiral this could become, um, where people try to win their Republican primaries in a party that very much is still under the influence of Donald Trump, Um, try to put forward more wacky and outlandish ideas, but then win those races. And especially at the state level, that's pretty worrisome because we probably will see changes to the way some of the states run their elections, just like we saw after the 2020 election. Um, That also means that it's still super incumbent on Democrats to make that as big of an issue as they can. And that's part of the reason that they're doing the, the January 6th hearings, uh, it's to try to reach as many people, you know, they might not be able to persuade the most Republican Republicans, but it's the people at the margins who might be willing to listen to, you know, why they shouldn't give a Republican power, um, because they might still be um, in league with this really anti-democratic uh, ideology. Um, it's, that's why it's so important to make that visible and try to get as many people to see and understand what's going on and to get candidates who aren't afraid to run on that, too. Um, as much as there are a million other things going on in the country that need to be uh, addressed or campaigned on or um, you know, Supreme Court decisions that are coming out on abortion rights and on gun rights, yeah. also worrisome. Um, but it just requires a lot of precision and courage to speak on some of those things.
2: Well, I mean, I do have to say, well, I want to end this on a good note. You know, shout out to Stacey Abrams, yes. who was a winner in in her situation. Can you talk a little bit about that real quick and end this on a wonderful yeah, note? Yeah,
11: definitely. In Georgia, Brad Rassensberger, he's the Republican Secretary of State who won his uh, primary for re-election. He's going to go up against a Democratic um, Secretary of State candidate who uh, Stacey Abrams endorsed. And um, performed. she performed really, really uh, strongly last night. Um, I want to make sure that I get, that I get her name right. Um, but, uh, um, this is B Nguyen, um, the state representative who won her primary. Um, and she looks like will be able to put a pretty strong challenge to Raffensperger in that race. Um, and, uh, and having C.C.A. Abrams' endorsement definitely helped her in that primary, um, and just shows you the power of leading you know, with principles and example forward.
2: Well, all right, Christian pass. Thank you so much for joining us. Christian is a senior politics reporter at Vox.com and does an incredible job. We can't wait to have you back on because as more elections happen, I love to have you here to unpack everything. Thank
11: you so much.
2: All right, well, coming up next, this video of a woman on a plane is causing outrage on the Internet. And I'm already triggered because I've been traveling 20 hours on each flight. (laughs) We're talking about it next. Don't go anywhere.
0: Let's go there
8: with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
7: Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest.
2: Okay, so there's a very controversial situation that we have to talk about about how you handle yourself on an airplane. And this woman is really bringing this up because she had the wildest way of making sure she was able to kind of get out of her seat. She picked a window seat, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's just you know rules about when you pick a window seat, you sit your behind down. You yeah. don't get up. Yeah. Well, this woman actually does, she has on pajamas, let's say that. She doesn't have on shoes. And she climbs over each person to get to the aisle. Like, actually physically climbs.
3: Yeah. So this is a direct result of being raised by wolves, I believe. <laughs>
2: um, Great show on HBO Max. It was just canceled, by the way. Anyway,
3: go. Because there's no way that you were raised by, by human beings and grew up in a functioning society behaving like this. The video is quite terrible. We should mention that there is a toddler in one of the passengers' laps. And it shows her walking back from the bathroom. Like I said, no. well, like Ryan said, no shoes on. Mm-hmm. Socks just as black black as night. And she's dirty. wearing, like, knit pajamas. Which like, you know, that's extra dirty cloth
2: pajamas. You know How long do you
3: think the flight was? She's been marinating. <laughs> okay. You know, she extra dirty for and that. And not
2: like a steak.
3: <laughs> but this, was, this video actually uh, got a physical reaction out of me. It made oh. me very upset, like violently upset because I'm imagining what I well, would have done in this situation. And you're right. Everyone does know like, if you get a window seat, if you are assigned a window seat, you make sure you use the bathroom before you even board the plane. And I love
2: window seats. like I literally love window seats because I'm, I'm in there. I'm stuck in there. But let's play devil's advocate if you are in a window seat like you said you have to go before or can you ask people to kindly get up?
3: I think that if you do ask people to kindly like you know let you slide by it needs to happen one time during the flight one time on a six hour flight yeah I fly on the window seat as well and I make sure I literally make sure that I use the bathroom before boarding begins (laughs) because I already know I don't want to and I used to like the aisle seat until you start getting you know shoulder checked by that cart when when they're wheeling by the snacks and the sodas (laughs) so yeah this, this story this video really, really upset me because it's just filthy, it's trifling, is dirty. It's all those adjectives. Wow, well, um, and no one said anything. <laughs> I'm sorry, no one. Me as a flight attendant, oh my, I'd be a nightmare because, ma'am, excuse, miss, miss, we don't do that. We don't do that on this flight.
2: <laughs> well, can I just say to untrigger you? I have a surprise for
3: you. Okay, what's that? Mm-hmm.
2: All right, so we're premiering Beyonce's All Break right. My Soul. Y'all thought we were going to play this on Channel Q. Cool? Yes, we you are. We better
3: have. We better
2: had. I hope y'all get y'all's live, Break My Soul. We'll be back coming up next. Let's
0: go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
2: Top of the hour news. We are back. And, honey, I am still reeling in from us premiering Break My Soul, Beyonce, right here on Channel Q. Yes. Where were you?
3: When Beyonce dropped that moment. So here's the thing. I knew that it was uh, supposed to drop at midnight Eastern, which means 9 p.m. our time. Which is
2: great. She allowed us to be awake and alive.
3: So I went and I got me a massage. And after the massage, I went down to the Ralph's to get my grocery to make my lunch for the Uh week. Well, I'm in Ralph's, and I'm I'm told that that it's on YouTube early. It was on Title three and hours on Tidal. early. Right, I don't yeah. have I don't have Title. Sorry, Queen. Wow. Uh, but it was also on YouTube. And do you know that I just became disoriented in the grocery <laughs> store? I popped in my earbuds, and I was like standing in front, like people. So many people were saying, "Excuse me," because I was literally blocking a hole. <laughs> and I just it was one of those things. Like I kept listening, and I was like, "Shar, what did we come in here for?" <laughs> like I'm just walking around the grocery store with my cart. Like, what did I say I was going to get? Oh,
2: my God. Beyonce will do it to you. It was good. Where
3: were you? You were still in Tel Aviv. Yeah, I was.
2: And it was was like bright and early where I was. And so I was like, as soon as I found out that once she was releasing the album, I made a public announcement in the middle of the hotel lobby saying, excuse me. Beyonce's releasing her act one and of I was,
3: renaissance. I was literally, I was at a party, the Martin premiere, and DJ Behan was spinning, and he just automatic. it was just an abrupt record spin, and then it was all Beyonce. Wow. And I said, oh, I looked down at my phone and I said, oh, July 29th.
2: <gasps> On my birthday. On your birthday. Oh my God, what a wonderful time. Okay, here's what's coming up this your hour. Your golden
3: birthday. My golden
2: birthday. Which don't get confused with your Jesus birthday because it's so many things. Yeah, anyway. I was about to kick you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we are chatting with an entrepreneur about elevating diverse and inclusive voices in the workplace and incorporate America. Something very important, especially during Pride Month. You know, we're covering Pride Month in a different way here. Um, but let's Let's get to top of the hour news really quickly. I have this headline that I really want to play. So the classrooms the Uvalde shooter barricaded himself in may not have been locked. But even if they were, police had a tool that would have opened them according to a new report. So new information came out uh, that the Uvalde police did check to even see if the door to the room that the shooter barricaded himself in was unlocked. Here is um, uh, basically the Department of Public Safety Director, Steve McCraw, addressing the State Senate Committee where we found out this information.
4: One error, 14 minutes and eight seconds. That's how long the children waited and the teachers waited in rooms 111 to be rescued. And while they waited, the on-seat commander waited for a radio and rifles. Then he waited for shields. Then he waited for SWAT. Lastly, he waited for a key that was never needed. The post mind Doctrine is clear and compelling and unambiguous. Stop the killing, stop the dying. You can't do the former unless you do, you can't do the latter unless you do the former.
2: I mean, it's so damning and um, so sad to hear the, the updates that continue to come out about what took place. Because it only gets worse
3: and worse. And you know they're demolishing the school;
2: it will I be mean, no more. They're knocking it down. Honestly, which it, it sucks that this is the reason why. But it, it, yeah, I'm, I'm just so over. Anyway, can you briefly go into the T report? Let's, let's. So talk I'll about keep
3: it. this super, super brief. You know, Ezra Miller has been in trouble, child. They've been traff—allegedly trafficking people. All around town and doing all different types of know, just, wacky stuff. Yeah. It's, well, uh, uh, it's also been announced. Now, it ha, it's not set, set in stone, but according to The Hollywood Reporter, they're already looking for replacements for The Flash. You know, they're, they're, it's supposed to be a, a major motion picture.
2: Yeah, The Flash. I'm, I'm super excited about it. It was one of the major and, DC and, films. And,
3: and Ezra was supposed to be in that film. Yeah. And instead... Actually, Flash. Ezra, they, they scrap in the movie allegedly as a, as a whole.
2: They're probably scrambling on what they can do, like what are their
3: options. I don't think they'll scrap the film though, because hello cha ching. Yeah. Money m- rules everything. But uh, according to Forbes, they are pitching, and uh, like you just mentioned, looking for a possible replacement. So I have to ask wow. you, Ryan, because Ezra Miller has a very unique look. Yeah, but they can find a brunette anywhere. Who do you think that they should pick? Oh, great. Zayn question. Malik. Can,
2: can Zayn act? from One Direction. Yeah, he's so hot. I think he's dealing with immigration issues right now. Is he really? Yes, because Gigi G- G Hadid's mama got him sent back after that whole thing. Remember that? Got him depo- oh, yes. yes. Y- Yolanda. Yes, Yolanda got Beverly him Hills sent Housewife. back home. Um, I would say...
3: Ooh, that's such a good,
2: hard question. I don't even know. That's I don't even know right now.
3: Me neither. Bye, Ezra. Yeah. You deserve everything coming to you. Oh, ya. great.
2: All right. Well, that's your t report. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, coming up next, we're talking about a black, queer, and proud, um, you know, LinkedIn influencer. A what? A LinkedIn new influ- influencer. I have no clue what that means, but we're going to find out because they're doing some incredible work to promote pride in the workplace. Don't go anywhere. Up next
0: let's go there with Shira and Ryan channel Q
2: you know this pride month we're looking at you know the ways that we can make sure that folks in this community are seen in many different ways and this next guest who is known as a LinkedIn influencer which is quite iconic and she does it as also being a blue haired unicorn she's making sure that pride is being seen in corporate settings all across America mm-hmm. and I'm so happy that she's here on the show to join us because she continues to bring her non-traditional, inclusive ideology to corporate America as steadfast voices for minorities and the LGBTQ community. Please welcome Madison Butler. Thank you so much for being here.
12: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited.
2: No, I'm excited. You know, it's not every day we get to talk to a unicorn. Well, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to the show. Seriously, I think it's really um, important. You know, you are the chief uh, people officer at a a Texas-based Grave Incorporated, I believe it's called. Now, can you talk about why it was so important for you to make sure that queer uh, communities and minorities felt, you know, kind of heard and seen in corporate settings?
12: For sure. So I joined Grav at the beginning of last year. And for me... When I think about social justice, part of social justice for me is what work should feel like. I think a lot of us have been super conditioned to believe that we have to leave parts of ourselves at the door in order to be worthy of a paycheck, a promotion, a job. And that's just not the case. And so the work that I do is centered around the fact that we all exist and not in the warm, fluffy light that is like rainbow capitalism. Um, Lots of companies are in the day and age of saying they want authenticity, and I believe they really want, like, the happy, warm, fuzzy parts. But that's not the human experience. The human experience is incredibly messy. But our people are much better when they are allowed to embrace that and acknowledge it and honor their emotions and honor their journey, rather than pretending that every day when you come in, whether it's 8 or 9 a.m., you tuck your sweater, that's your human sweater in your cubby, and you're like, okay, I'm here for the day, and everything else in my life is gone. That's just not reality, and I wanted to make sure that I was part of building that in every company I go to. I aim to create spaces where people feel safe to be exactly who they are regardless of where they're at in their journey.
3: Okay, I have a question about this because this really hits close to home for me. Um, Given that most C-suites across the nation are not diverse and people typically come to the table with their own implicit biases and, and projections, how then can you ensure or what ways can, I guess, we collectively ensure that people are able to show up fully themselves if we don't have diverse leadership?
12: For sure. And that, for me, is one of the biggest issues. And I will be the first to say, like, this is self-work. If you have a C-suite that is all white, all straight, all cis, it's already going to be a problem. But at the end of the day, you have to be willing to come to the table. And it's not, again, like warm, fluffy diversity workshop. It's looking yourself in the mirror and acknowledging where you've gone wrong, where you've caused harm, where everything you've thought up until this point in your life has been wrong. And I will tell you straight up, not a lot of C-suite are willing to get there. I consult very frequently outside of Grab. And that is one of the hardest things. And it is absolutely the company's responsibility to create a space that is safe for people to show up. I always say this, you don't have to risk your livelihood to show up. Your company is responsible for creating a space where you weren't an afterthought.
2: -hmm. Yeah, so let's actually talk about something that you started, the Black Speakers Collection. Like, what exactly is that, and why was that important for you at this time?
4: For
12: sure. So, I am a public speaker, and one of the things that I noticed, and it's incredibly frustrating, is before big months. So, we've got Black History Month, Women's History Month, Pride, people will message you like the day before. I think I had a message on like May 31st this year that was like, I need a speaker. And I was like, June comes at the same time every year.
11: Mm-hmm. So if
12: you're booking me for June, you need to be booking me like now for next June. And I was just so frustrated with just the lack of respect for people's time, but also just this concept that if you hold an identity, you can only speak to that identity. And oh not my gosh.
3: gosh. Yes. All right, where's my bell? <laughs> you are, you are, you are preaching this sermon. Like okay? seriously. <laughs> I always, so, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead you know. Well, I was going to say, you know, I, I always say Ryan knows this intimately that like my busiest months are February, March and June <laughs> for, you know, Women's History Month, Black History Month and Pride Month. And it is so frustrating when November rears its ugly head. And I'm like, well, damn, the phone ain't ringing as much <laughs> no more. Um, and, I, you know, we all come to the table with a wealth of experiences. I have to know, you've kind of shed light on some of the rewarding aspects of your work. What are some of the most challenging aspects of your work? Because as you mentioned, people have to it's not that they're unable it's that a lot of the times they're unwilling Mm.
12: so yes I think every moment up until people have that aha moment is torturous I will be really frank like for me the most frustrating part of my work is how scary the internet can be Um, I'll be the first to say like I think the internet was a mistake but (laughs) with my work and having such a large following I I get a multitude of death threats I've had people show up at my home Um, and so for me that is certainly the most frustrating part I think the other thing is just the act of not believing someone because it's not something you've witnessed and so I have to convince people Mm. of other people's experiences I recently posted on LinkedIn just about like texture bias at work around Mm -hmm. hair and when i tell you i had every white man in the comments who's like well i've never seen this and i'm like well you don't say chad you don't say that you've never seen this as a white man who uses two-in-one shampoo like i'm very (laughs) sorry
2: Yeah. And it's it's just been so wonderful. I'm so happy that we were able to have you on the show because the work that you are doing is so important. It's so beautiful that you're creating spaces for so many other people, not only yourself, but so many others. And I, I mean, it's just great to have you on the show to be able to kind of give you your flowers and then hear about the work. Tell everyone where they can find out more about your work and follow you um, just to continue to support. For sure. So you
12: can find me on LinkedIn under Madison Butler or Blue Haired Unicorn. If you pop Blue Haired Unicorn into Google, it will literally pull up everything you've ever needed to know about me. All right.
2: Madison Butler. (laughs) You heard it here first. She's iconic. Thank you so much for being Love on the show. That. Now we're switching gears here because we have Glad coming on to talk with us about a new study that is saying that 70% of LGBTQ plus Americans have been surveyed saying discrimination towards the community has increased within the last two you years. Don't, you don't say. Dun dun, dun Really? Uh, yep. Well, Glad's joining us to break <laughs> it all down.
0: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
2: You know, despite increases in visibility and public understanding, LGBTQ individuals are at a, at an increased risk for discrimination, according to GLAD's Accelerating Acceptance study that just dropped. And I am so um, happy that I get to do incredible work with GLAD constantly. Um, but someone who I'm also like in awe of because they worked closely with this study is Mary Emily O'Hara, a rapid response manager. At glad thank you so much for joining the show to break this further down because it, it just feels like it, it honestly feels like what what more can we do but I'm happy that we have this data to kind of put the the proof in the pudding
9: yeah absolutely we do have the data and we also have you know the reality which is that while LGBTQ um Discrimination is rising, according to the people that we talked to for the survey. And obviously, I mean, we watch the news, we see what's going on. We know that there's been a real increase in targeting of the community lately. There's also an increase in visibility and inclusion and hope and pride festivals are happening all over the country right now. And I don't know about you guys, but I had... Such a blast at Portland Pride. I'm still recovering. Oh, <laughs> so,
2: Portland Pride you know, sounds fun.
9: It was great, but you know, that's that's the reality that we're living in right now, right? We have increased visibility, representation, we've got protections that we may not have had um, you know, twenty years ago or even ten years ago. But with that comes that with that visibility comes that vulnerability as well. Yeah.
3: Yeah. The, these stats speak very loudly to me. By the way, this is Shar. Great to be in conversation with you again. I always love working I with Black. Yeah, this hits cl- uh, close to me because every year we see the numbers rack up in, in the violence that's aimed at black women who are trans, even though what I will say is this year, it's slowed down drastically uh, compared to numbers within the past two to three years. Now, with visibility amongst Gen Z adults, they have more LGBTQ visibility than, you know, millennials and the generation before us. How are they combating or in what ways can they combat some of the d- discrimination at hand with their visibility?
9: Well, I mean, let's just start with talking about the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. So the Accelerating Acceptance Study came out today. Uh, it's an annual report where we talk to LGBTQ Americans and non-LGBTQ Americans asking both about their experience of the community, um, you know, with, with the Non LGBTQ population, we ask them, what do you know about the community? And with the LGBTQ population, we ask them, are you experiencing discrimination? What is your life like in an everyday American context, right? Mm -hmm. And what we saw today when the new report came out is that it's higher numbers than ever before of LGBTQ people saying that they've experienced uh, discrimination over the past year. That number is now at 70%. So that's seven out of every 10 LGBTQ people saying that they have experienced some form of just everyday discrimination and that being like in their family, in the workplace, at school, on social media, um, at a restaurant, what have you. And so those Mm -hmm. numbers are up pretty much across the board, including with Gen Z, right? There's more Gen Z uh, Americans that are out as LGBTQ than any other generation, before them but a majority of them at 56 percent did report that they are more fearful for their personal safety this year than they have been in the last two years and um and you mentioned just you know what life is like every day for a black trans woman. um we did find that more than half of transgender and non-binary people reported that they feel unsafe walking in their own neighborhoods not just any neighborhood but that's 54% of people saying that they feel unsafe, um, you know, basically near home. So that is disturbing, uh, but it also, like you said, Ryan, it gives us some data to work with, something mm-hmm. to fight and we're not gonna back down.
2: Well, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I just remember at, at, at a certain point in recent history, there was so much conversation around the Equality Act and, and thinking about the fact that there's such a huge gap with federal protections for LGBTQ plus people, I wonder, how does GLAAD specifically work in hand-in-hand with, like, the Biden administration to continue to push for, you know, things like the Equality Act and other federal protections that, to to have these moments where this data can actually decrease and not increase?
9: You know, it's funny that you said that because I don't know if I— should be saying this on the radio, but I literally emailed this report to the White House earlier today. I just know, so that's that they right. Come
2: on, Mayor. You mean, that's a brag. <laughs> okay. That's a brag. You got the email. Send it straight to Robinette. <laughs> you know, I mean, the,
9: the Biden White House, I will say, um, GLED is a nonpartisan organization, right? But they have been extremely receptive to working with advocates in the community, to meeting with community advocates, to having things like the transgender working group that we saw earlier this year. Um, they're definitely listening to voices um, from the community in ways that the last administration did not do. Shocking, I know. <laughs> um, but we also part of our job as GLAD is to hold every administration accountable. So we do have the GLAD accountability uh, tracker on our website. Um, Sorry, not the GLAAD Accountability Project. That's a different one. We have the Biden Accountability Tracker as well. We have both. Uh, But the Biden Accountability Tracker is basically a list of every LGBTQ-related policy statement, anything sort of high level that comes from the administration. And I think the data is really the proof in the pudding here with today's report in that almost 80% of LGBTQ people said that they wish there was legislative action taken at the federal level to protect them. And I think that's something that we see because there's so many attacks on the community at the state level. Some people are living in states like Florida and Texas, South Carolina, Mississippi, etc. Or even Idaho, which is my neighbor. I live in Oregon and Idaho is right next door. Um, But, you know, we're living in states where the attacks never seem to stop. They're banning books. They're banning trans health care. They're banning kids from playing in school sports. Um, So it makes a lot of sense that you're seeing 79% of the community say they need legislative protections coming from the federal government specifically. They're looking to the Biden White House for help in what amounts to a time of crisis. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all the incredible work that Glad does. If y'all listening here are feeling motivated, please go check out Glad's Accelerating Acceptance Study on their website. And of course, please follow the work that Glad is constantly doing because they are doing the work and it's really beautiful to watch. So thank you so much, Mary, for joining us on the show today. We really, really appreciate it.
9: Thank you, Ryan and Shara. I hope you both have a beautiful day, and thank you always for having Channel Q and for doing the work that you do.
2: All All right, come on. (laughs) Well, we got more show coming up next. Don't y'all go anywhere. Let's
0: go there with Shara and Ryan, Channel Q.
2: Okay, so real quick, this is going to be a quick little story. Um, Let's talk about wearing socks on the beach. Are you pro it or are you not?
3: Is this a serious question? Are you pro it or are you not? I am Firmly against wearing socks on the beach. Wow, you are hateful. Are you pro
2: socks on the beach? Firmly, firmly, firmly against. What? Then Wait, why whoa, would you whoa, whoa, want whoa, whoa, whoa. sand all over your feet? Why would you want sand in your socks? There's whoa. no such thing as sand in your socks. That is yes. not because true. Because you can take all... Here's here's my idea. Why about not where? get
3: flip-flops or no, beach no, no, no. shoes?
2: First of all, is this the navy?
3: Oh, no, but no. When, I, when I say flip flops, I also mean slides and things like. There are shoes well, designated for sand shoes? in the beach. No, no. no but yes. let me tell you. So socks the, are tacky. The
2: reason why I wear so- I will wear a sock no. on the on the beach mm-hmm. is because I one I want to take my shoes off and I'll hold them and You're then not like supposed I be I use wearing my, them type of shoes. I wear my socks and then guess what? When I go back to my car before I get in the car, I take off my socks, put them in my beach bag, and we're all good. There's no sand nowhere. What so, if sand
3: is on your leg? What have you
2: you've been You thin- wipe off before. Oh, are you what, are wait, we all wait, monsters wait, 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 wait. here
6: does that mean you put your shoes on without socks and drive with just your shoes nah, and your socks? I'll just
2: drive barefoot I'll have an extra pair okay, of shoes so you in my just car. like the girl on the plane <laughs> <laughs> raised by wolves okay yeah you're wrong No, you wrong. if you're not wearing socks on, and also depending on what beach you're going to you can step on things that, oh, is, true. Well, that so, is true that's why you have flip flops no but socks. sometimes flip flops there's too much sand and it travels and it gets in places and crevices that it's not supposed to get in. Ryan,
3: beloved, socks will not prevent you from stepping on a shard of glass on the mm-hmm. beach. will. let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
0: Yo, it's about
2: damn time that we have literally hit the last hour of the show, and I uh, cannot believe it. It's gone by so quickly, right?
3: Yeah, it has. Fairly quickly. I mean, it's been a good time. It's always a good time with you. Yeah, it's a good time with you too, but that don't mean it went by in a blink of an eye.
2: D- yes, it does. And I got here late
3: today, and it Wait. feels like I did a full day. <laughs> it does. You didn't get here late. Yes, I did. I got here later than I normally do. Oh. I got here like at 107. Ah, oh, look at us. With the 130 pre-record. We're really letting you in
2: on behind the scenes.
3: Yeah. And normally <laughs> normally I'm here, you know, hours of before time. I won't give you all the exact hours because you, you know we can't... T- Say too much. I just on, have to be
2: on. like, now hold on. <laughs> 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 All right, well, coming up this hour, we're getting political. We're taking, uh, talking everything around this gun safety bill and what went down in yesterday's elections in D.C., Alabama, Georgia, and Virginia. Um, which also shout out to my mom. She just moved to South Carolina, by the way. Um, I didn't, I didn't name any of the, that, I didn't name that state, but I just wanted to say it because it's in the same region.
3: Oh, okay. I was about to say, okay. Well, you know, congratulations on the move. Yeah, You know, she's starting a new job. A my grandmother's down move. there.
2: My grandmother actually moved out of Illinois for the first time in her entire life.
3: Crossing state lines, moving her from state she's to 85. state. That is wild. That yeah. is wild.
2: Yeah, and I actually have a plane voucher, so I'm going down there. So I'm gonna, like, oh, that's I'm, gonna, nice. I'm gonna surprise him and go down there.
3: That's nice. Hopefully, they'll listen. I have a voucher too. I just don't know when I'm gonna use it. Where do you wanna go? I'd probably go see my mother as well. Yeah, my mother and and Angelo. Yeah, oh come on, Angelo.
2: All right, well let's get to the top of the hour news. So Biden, this morning, called on Congress to suspend federal gasoline and diesel taxes for three months, a movement to ease financial pressures that was greeted with doubts by many lawmakers. He also called on states to suspend their own gas or, uh, gas taxes or provide similar relief. And he delivered a public critique of the energy industry for prioritizing profits over production. Here is your uncle, Really getting us together, and he's gonna. Oh, great! I drop. Oh, wow, everything's happening. The ball. Can you can
3: oh everywhere no. all together can, all oh at once?
2: Okay, talk, someone talk. just Well, talk. so do you,
3: you want me to hop right into the T report?
2: Not yet, not yet. I could.
3: I, I was about to say, I could
2: do you know, it. Ahead we, have of these, time. we have these 1998 like mouses where the ball can drop out. I hate them. <laughs> and are, so the ball just I don't know. The ball just dropped out, but here's Biden.
4: So let's be honest with one another. My message is simple. To the companies running gas stations and setting those prices at the pump, this is a time of war, global peril, Ukraine. These are not normal times. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you are paying for the product. Do it now. Do it today. Your customers, the American people, They need relief now. So let me summarize. Today I'm calling for a federal gas tax holiday, state gas tax holiday for the equivalent relief to customers.
2: All right. Yeah, Biden, I I know they're going to do it just because you said it.
3: I'm just tired of all of this (laughs) conversation.
2: All right, so let's talk the Supreme Court because they're tearing a new wall in the wall, uh, separate, a new hole in the wall, separating church and state. Basically, they, uh, the Supreme Court held on Tuesday that Maine must fund religious education as a part of a school voucher program that pays tuition for students in rural parts of the state. In the process, the court's decision in Carson's the uh, Macon tears down one of the foundational rules separating church from state. About 5,000 students in Maine's most rural areas where it is not cost effective, uh, efficient for the state to operate a public school. They re- are receive vouchers that can be used to pay for private education. So Maine law provides that these vouchers may only be used at non-secretarian schools, not religious ones. Carson struck down Perfect. this law, excluding religious schools from the Maine voucher program. And Justice uh, Sonia Sodoma- is Sotomayor, so- yeah, so- Sotomayor um, wrote that, quote, This court continues to dismantle the wall of separation between church and state that the farmers... Are the framers? <laughs> I was like, where do farmers come from? Do they farm in Maine? The framers fought to build. Wow, that's a lot going it's, on. That's there.
3: actually pretty scary. It seems yeah. like as we move forward within the calendar years, yeah, seems like the lines are getting blurrier and blurrier. I mean,
2: it's see not going to be state; it's just going
3: to be church. Remind me to show you this extremely racist Juneteenth sign. <laughs> why would you want to show that me was, that. Because it it was you saw what happened in Maine, producer Shelby. Okay, see, this is why producer Shelby is my girl. I mean, <laughs> it is. It. I was like, what is going on? I saw the report this morning, but nevertheless, <sighs> um, that's it's pretty scary to see where where we're headed.
2: Well, actually, I'm just going to throw to you now because I don't want to talk about this last story, and I rather, okay, um, you know, not talk about it. So let's just talk about. Let me ask you this: queen.
3: Do do we have a um a clip for it?
2: Oh, I don't know.
3: Well, that's okay. Let me just hop right into it. So, guess what, you all? Jennifer Lopez performed right last hour's here in Los Angeles. <laughs> And what's so interesting is now, Ryan, I know that you haven't watched Jennifer Lopez's documentary on Netflix yet.
2: No, I have not, but I want to see it because my Leo sister is um, is Leoing
3: in the dot probably. Uh, but in it it shows her child that she sang with because you know it's it's the making of the Super Bowl performance that she did with Shakira. however, Emmy's got a new look, okay? Because Je- Jennifer Lopez. Why you say it like that. Because Emmy's Emmy's got a new look. You <laughs> if you all see the clip. Now listen. She introduced Emmy on stage oh using God. gender-neutral pronouns right before they sang a duet at Dodger Stadium. The two performed "A Thousand Years" during the show, and this is according to the Independent. But. Uh, yeah, Jennifer literally joked and said this is that they're her favorite person to perform with. Oh, wow. And I should mention that Emmy was performing with the microphone that was wrapped in the rainbow colors. So how's she doing? <sighs> Another
2: one, thank you.
3: How they doing? We're
2: adding them more to the to the,
3: <laughs> the beautiful community. Well, yeah, that is we'll, very exciting. We'll see how things unfold, but I, I it's interesting, you know, Emmy's a twin. Like I wanna know, you know, and you know, daddy you know is, what Mark Anthony has to yes, say. Daddy is Mark Anthony. I mean, I imagine Mark is pretty cool.
2: Well, that. actually don't go too far, because you just never know.
3: You I mean, you, you never know. You literally never know. You never could know.
2: could be terrorizing. But everyone.
3: at least mommy Jennifer is. And so I I love that. Yeah. Shout out to Jay Lo, you know And shout out to Emmy.
2: And shout out to Ben. Cause he I feel like he's playing probably a major role in in step, like stepfathering
3: those kids. Isn't he from Boston? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Leo as well, so who's to say? God, who's to say with that two Leo household? Uh, you know, I'm gonna pray for them kids. Actually, that's what I'm gonna I'm pray for them kids. If they get that any, is your tea report. If they get any attention paid to them anyway head over house. to we Are Channel Q.
2: com to check out all these stories that we've covered from our headlines to our tea reports because they will be there for you to look into more. now. So, you know. Jam out to Jenny from the block.
0: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All
2: right, honey, you know it's my favorite time of the show. It's the what? Yes, queen. You know those moments where we love to end the show on something positive, something warm, uh, that highlights someone or something that is really doing amazing work. And this one goes out to the big knitters committee.
3: You know what? You throw me off every time you say that. (laughs) Every single time, it's knit knitter knit turn We want to emphasize the T there. Yes, they're
2: knitting. And actually, the organization's called Knit the Rainbow. And um, this founder, his name is Austin Rivers. Austin raised, has great eyebrows. He's stunning. He's and absolutely beautiful. So growing up with younger siblings and being surrounded by LGBTQ friends, it really drove his mission to help unhoused youth in New York City. He said, I'm the oldest of eight siblings, so I've always been surrounded by younger children. Being around so many youths was consistently on my mind and how, my, how families work outside my own. When I came out, I was supported by my parents and family, but I knew a friend who weren't supported and were kicked out of their home. So mm-hmm. here is what Knit the Rainbow is doing. They are a nonprofit organization that works to empower and protect homeless LGBTQ youth in New York City and beyond by providing them with handmade knit and crochet winter clothing and accessories. That is
3: so beautiful.
2: So this Pride Month, Knit the Rainbow is partnering with with, uh, Lion Brand Yarn, one of the leading knitting and craft yarn distributors in the U.S., to help expand its reach to more homeless youth. I mean, honestly, there can't be that many yarn distributors.
3: No, no. If you think about it, I mean, have you ever been in a Joanne Fabric? Mm. Um, There's quite a few, like a lot of, like yeah. they're not owned mm-hmm. by the same people. No. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Wow, well, it's one of those conglomerate things like Johnson and Johnson and Neutrogena.
2: Oh, this is very <laughs> exciting, though. Shout out to Knit the Rainbow. This Shout is a out to story. Austin Rivers. You get our what? Yeah. Yes, queen. All right. That made me feel happy also, inside.
3: Austin is the oldest of eight. I know that has to be a particular disgusting. type of hell. Absolutely disgusting. Oh, my gosh. Imagine Power sharing to- the, ba- the bathroom Ooh. with eight different Not people. Not even that, but as the oldest, you know, I'm the oldest, and it's only I only have two sisters, and I'm exhausted <laughs> who are younger than me. I can imagine being the oldest of eight. Oh, my gosh. My heart goes out uh, to you. Well that my goes- mind went to shameless. Oh,
8: yes. Yes. <laughs> uh,
2: Wow well that is it for our show today Thank you so much for hanging out with us all Like all show we really appreciate you You know today was a really wonderful day I am back from my vacation um, Shira it will not be here for the rest of the week But guess what I have Shar here Yes you do And that's all I need in this life of sin It's me <laughs> and my girlfriend Alright so uh, producer Shelby What is coming up on tomorrow's show? Um,
6: tomorrow is super exciting because we have a New York Times best-selling author joining us. Uh, wow! Ding, ding ding There's of course a lot of conversation about money recently, and um, this author, Gabby Dunn, actually wrote a book about. Financial literacy and
2: why it is a queer issue. So, we're going to be talking to them, and I'm really excited. Oh, no, that's exciting. I'm actually. Interesting. Yeah, I need some help. Yeah, I need some help as well figuring out everything, especially with accounting. Anyway, thanks so much for being here, honey. Remember to slay and have a beautiful
3: rest of the day. And I love us for real. All right, y'all,
2: check out, stick around for Love Line because they're talking all about why it is hard to leave relationships. Wow, I'm triggered. All right, I'm getting out of here. Bye.